0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these go to eleven once again. I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me is, as always, Zach Bartle. Zach, what's going on, man?
1: It is so hot here. It's a hundred degrees out. Oh, that's nasty. And two hundred percent humidity.
0: I was going to say it's not. It's not quite that hot here, but it is. Uh, it is pretty humid here in Baltimore. So, um, you know, it, and it was. It's sad because it had been really nice the past. Uh, couple days yesterday's when it started getting hot again but until that point we had all the windows open in the house and nice cool breeze kind of coming through and yesterday i got home i was picking my niece up from the uh bus stop and got home and i was like i can't do this where i just closed up the house turned the ac on i was like i give in i surrender (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you hadn't turned on your AC yet. Are you like a, one of these one of these like curmudgeonly guys that holds out as long as you can?
0: Oh no, we had had it on, but like it had just been so nice the past several days that um that I hadn't, you know, it really wasn't an issue and like so yesterday was Saturday. We're recording on a Sunday today. Yesterday was Saturday and it 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 was kind of warm, but it wasn't bad. You know, I mean, when you're not really doing anything, it's not it's not that bad. So we had had the windows open and, you know, had the fans on and that seemed to be enough, but the evening came around and it just got worse and worse. And I'm like, Nope, Nope. I'm not sleeping in this. <laughs>
1: uh, the, uh, I- I'm going to be spending the next few days, uh, in the smoke room, the Nakatomi smoke room at the back of my house with my boy, Ted cluck, yeah. uh, air conditioning on full blast. And, uh, Yes, yeah, about 300 cigars waiting to be smoked, so nice. I don't care how hot it gets outside. I, I'm, I'm an indoorsman. <laughs>
0: there are outdoorsmen and indoorsmen.
1: <laughs> I'm firmly one of the latter. Nice, nice. Maybe um, I'll cast a spell of coolness, too. Ooh,
0: know? what a Hey-o. segue.
1: I'm a professional, man. I know,
0: right? Um, so I guess we'll do that before we get into our announcements, or should we just leave it hanging, a little foreshadowing?
1: yeah yeah let that hang there, uh, you know, like uh, the kid who hangs himself in the jack chick tracks because of <laughs> black leaf his his cleric character oh my word i've got I got that I pulled it out, man i don't know if you know this about me, but I collect jack chick tracks and comic books. I have almost all of them. I have some cold war era ones that they only printed five hundred of and <laughs> I'm embarrassed nice. for what I pay for these things on on uh, eBay. <laughs> Everyone's like, got to collect something.
0: It's like the dude on the podcast we're going to be talking about tonight. He was a uh, he. He's a collector
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brian Brian seems to he, he's a little bit uh, less of a collector than me. Right. I I, I take it uh, rather serious. I don't take the content seriously, but I take the pursuit seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm I, I think it's. It's one of those things, that sort of evangelical ephemera, you gotta either laugh or you're gonna cry. Right. Uh so I, I always laugh. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: the nice thing is, Zach, with Mission Aware, you'll never cry with any of their products.
1: It is Do they sell um any kind of like twelve sided dye or anything, or is it mostly T shirts and posters.
0: I wonder if I could convince Jeff to start selling like twelve sided die like like Hebrew like put the Hebrew numbers on there or something. That would no, be no, no, no 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 no
1: eleven sided die, dude. Oh just go to eleven sided die.
0: Oh that would be great. <laughs> oh Jeff, we got a new product for you, baby.
1: <laughs> we can craft those by hand. <laughs> Problem is you'd only probably get a few of them made before he you know, cast a spell and hung himself, like the guy in the Jack Chick tracks. I know,
0: right? Yeah. Um, but Mission Aware, we are recording on Father's Day. We had a huge kind of push the past couple of weeks about, you know, going on there. But really, it's never too late to go on a Mission Aware and check out their great products. You know, with summer coming around, I know we've mentioned this before, but they have their great Yeti mugs, which keeps drinks cold or hot, whichever you prefer, um, for up to uh, 24 hours, and they work. I have one of them, and it is phenomenal, like just a super great uh, mug to use. And uh, keeping your drinks cold in this hot weather. So it's something that I know I can, you know, put some ice in a cup and put the drink in there and um, I don't have to worry about it for the uh, for the entire day that I'm out doing stuff. So um, check out Mission Aware. Zach, I know you've also mentioned the five solas before we've uh, brought up the Romans poster and so many other great products that you can uh, get on the website. So check out missionaware.com for all of your reformed needs and wants. Nathan, you know how many of these
1: go to 11 uh, co- uh, mugs, t-shirts products in general that I have? Do you have uh, let me, let me take a wild guess here. A big fat zero. It's a goose egg, man. Jeff, <laughs> how come, how come uh, there are so many people out there with more of these go to 11 freebies. <laughs> heading their way than me is I'll, all I'm saying I I'll want to a Yeti remind mug him.
0: I'll have to remind him because he was um, <laughs> he was supposed to hook you up with some love and uh, send you a um, send you a sweet little uh, gift certificate so I'll have to remind him he may have just forgotten with uh, all the other products he was sending out for us
1: or um, maybe when he gave me those two free t-shirts at Doc and Deeper he was like yeah that's that's your freebies that buddy that covers it <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't get any missional wear stuff for Father's Day but you know what I'm wearing right now and and it's just so everyone knows. Usually, when you and I talk, it doesn't include uh, the discussion of so what are you wearing. I was going to say, but, could
0: you say that you know a little bit more, uh, <laughs> a little bit more husky voice there?
1: <laughs> I'm going to. I'm just being as casual as I can. Honestly, I'm wearing my new Cobra Kai t-shirt. Oh, nice black t-shirt with the Cobra Kai logo. And and my wife ordered me the big poster. That says all valley karate tournament and it has the date and it and the the uh venue and everything oh, exactly nice. like from uh the the movie and the show and I can't wait to put that down in my den. Uh, that very is great. Awesome.
0: That is great. Dude, nice. Gotta uh gotta to talk to Jeff and see if he can uh you know hook you up with some posters because you know, you're getting Cobra Kai in there, you gotta get some other stuff from Mission Aware.
1: Well Calvin and Cobra Kai, that just sums me up. That's right. right. Strike first, strike hard, irresistible grace. <laughs> you will love the Lord. <laughs> right? No um, mercy. Well, I mean mercy. Yeah. mercy, not the mercy. <laughs> no mercy
0: is for the weak. <laughs> oh man. Dude, so uh we got a couple episodes coming up that uh super stoked about um give uh, listeners a little preview here because we are um we're getting to the point in the summer where we're going to go on a little bit of a hiatus in terms of you and I actually connecting, uh, because I'm going to be going away for a few weeks, and then you have a week that you're going to be going away for in July um, to do some kind of service thing. I hear, I hear. As Christians, we're supposed to be doing that. Um, I'm going to be going away to do, uh, you know, vacationing, resting and relaxing, and you're going to be Don't going away. Don't waste
1: your and- life, man. Don't waste your life. <laughs> Uh, but, Did you um, read Insane Faith by Stephen Branding?
0: <laughs> o- o- only, only what I've heard in, um, in Clinch. <laughs> well, oh, I'll,
1: I'll get you a copy of the, the whole thing. Man, <laughs> <that'll>, <laughs>
0: nope, but. Maybe we should start reading that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man i'm really excited for this episode that you're going to record with greg because i want to i want to get on twitter and i want to see all the people who are like oh it's so great to just hear uh, nathan and greg again it reminds me of the good old days and it'll make me feel like crap
0: (laughs) no no because dude i've been talking to so many people seriously um at church when i when i uh go there in the morning. And um, I don't always get into conversations about the podcast. Thankfully, I really, there's a lot of times that people have no clue that I even do a podcast. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you do a podcast? Why didn't you tell me? And I always scratch my head. I'm like, where do I naturally fit that into a conversation that I would have told you? It's like, We're talking about like the football game, or we're talking, well, I don't really talk about the football game, but you know, you're talking about something, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I do a podcast. And, you know, usually that gets a chuckle because it's true. It's like, where do you just casually slip that
1: into a conversation? Um, but like I don't know, like tonight man I I, I just I, I don't want to tell you your business but tonight I was at a, a men's Bible study I was having here uh-huh. and I, just, I casually worked in where I was like what time is it and they were like 8:28 and I was like oh crap in two minutes I have to do my <laughs> podcast have to leave. <laughs> I believe you just kind of put it in there casual you know <laughs> I'm running late <laughs> by the way we haven't prayed yet let's do that quick <laughs>
0: oh man oh my goodness dude so um but no tomorrow actually um we're going to be doing a recording with greg which will air next week so this one's going to drop this tuesday which is going to be the 19th and then the one we have with greg will drop uh the week after that one i know you're particularly excited about zach because um you're going to be discussing sabbaticals with greg um Well, we are, but I know you have a lot of uh, questions that you want to ask him and a lot of thoughts that you kind of want to pick his brain on. So, you know, looking forward to that one. Um, Greg and I are going to do one um, solo just because scheduling didn't kind of work out um, with you and I, and we wanted to at least get one more in that we could do because we're going to take basically a week break and then come back for the 200th episode and make that a longer one. Um, so looking forward to that and want to get everybody pumped and excited for the 200th one. I'm in works and talks to try to get, um, everyone who's been a host on this podcast, uh, in at some point calling in and talking at some point about, um, you know, the podcast and things that are going on and things that are happening with them. So really looking forward to that. Well, let's get into some spells, man. Yeah, dude. So uh, I guess it was uh, – what was it? Two weeks ago that we – when we recorded two weeks ago, you had asked me um, to check out this podcast um, called uh, Liar City Podcast. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, Liar City Podcast. And you're like, I really want you to listen to this one episode they do on D&D, and then I want us to talk about it because, as you know, um, I've uh, – more. I, I played D&D a little when I was younger, but I've actually gotten into it more recently when I've been older, um, and I actually now am hosting a D&D game, um, and we were kind of – you were like, you know, with that, I'd like to kind of throw in, you know, talk about Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Magic the Gathering and stuff like that, and so – um, why don't you go ahead, Zach, I'm going to let you set up this particular Liar City podcast with some of the myths that came out about it and then we'll you know, kind of just discuss my involvement with D&D and how I perceive it versus some of the perception that comes from uh, the church community at large.
1: Well, what I thought was the most fascinating, which is why I wanted to, to get your spin on things, yeah. was that the hysteria, and I remember it very well. I mean, I grew up in the '80s, in the early '90s, yep. and I remember the hysteria in the church about D and D. It was on every like once a year. Focus on the family would focus on D and D. There's the the you know not even just the jack chick real real extreme fundamentalist stuff, but but everybody kind of had this this notion, and it. To, to learn that it really started about three minute drive from my front door mm. at Michigan state University, where uh, a guy who was casually into d and d but mainly was clinically depressed yeah and was um, a, a really young guy um, mm. so that he was such that he was actually a college student when he was 16 or 17. Didn't yep. really feel like he fit in. Yep. He was into drugs, yep. and he wound up going down into the steam tunnels beneath Michigan mm-hmm. State University before they sealed those all up. Yep. And he had written uh, a letter. He was intending to take, like, I think a ton of quaaludes and yeah. a bunch of other stuff and kill himself. Yeah, That didn't work out, so he wound up just leaving and going and, and living with a guy in East Lansing. Again, this is all, like, I could I could go do a little tour of all these things, right? Uh, it, you know, in the next half hour, and they, his parents didn't know where he was. They hired a, I guess a PI, yep. who just he kind of sloppily pieced together. I don't know if it's what he thought happened or if he was just trying to create some sort of media storm that he was kind of at the center of. Mm. But he invented this notion that this kid. Confused, or, or got so wrapped up in D and D that he couldn't distinguish reality from the game. Yeah, and that he had gone down into the steam tunnels because he thought that was like the labyrinths and mazes right. of D and D, and that he he killed himself because his character died. And and what really blew my mind was learning that Tom Hanks' career yeah. kind of launched with a movie about these very events. Yeah. Sort of after school special vibe movie, which I have been looking for for the last few weeks and still haven't found. I know I, I I've been doing the same thing. Oh, if we if we dude, we gotta like you and me need to MST3K that thing. Oh, that it's would a be bonus great. Trap. We find it. <laughs> so so that and and then like the of course the church descends on this. Yeah. And everybody's you know watch out for this. It's demonic. Mm-hmm. You're you're letting the uh, occult and. Yeah and witchcraft into your kids' lives, and you buy them these things, and, and yet to hear this very sanitized origin story of it, yeah. and I don't know if you know, did you know this, the, the that fact that the, the actual um, estate of J.R.R. Tolkien had sued? I the- No, I did not. Because yeah. it was all like bellrods and hobbits and and dwarves, yeah and it was because it was just a it was a rule book at yeah. first, it wasn't you know the all the dice the dice and the pieces and and the whole you know there's a whole industry now it was just this book, yeah, and it was too similar to this thing that these days I mean most Christians are pretty well down with i think uh middle earth and and a lot of the Christian themes and symbolism there, yeah and, and so it's almost. It's 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 just a spin-off of that. Yeah. And yet somehow it became the boogeyman. It became part of that 1980s Mike Warnke, satanic panic yeah. where Christians just were willing to look like fools and burn their credibility on right. things they knew nothing about. Um so man what was your what was your I guess reaction to to hearing that whole story uh pretty well researched i thought and, oh yeah and, and well laid out
0: yeah no i agree i think they did a very good job at going back and doing their research doing their homework with that and and digging into the facts behind the hysteria and the myth that brought all this to light um i i was aware of a lot of that stuff but not fully like it was kind of like you said, growing up in the 80s, um, you were aware of a lot of those things that went on. And so I remember my parents – like the, the one who introduced me to D&D was my father. Um, and he – like we didn't play the D&D version of the game that, um, that I play now. We played – um, it was like it was a literal board game where you had these tile pieces that you would lay down or this map piece and you took your little characters and you played this board game. And so like that was my familiarity introduction into the D&D foray, you know, and and I remember talking with my father and my father, you know, saying stuff like, oh, you know, remember, this is just a game. We're just having fun. You know, there's nothing, you know, in any of this. It's like any other board game that we play. But I mean, it was it was more like I remember him telling me that, but not really understanding why. Because it's not like we had these disclaimers when we were playing Monopoly or anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, he probably you know. felt
1: a little low level evangelical guilt about it. Maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah, but not enough to be like we're not doing this. Um, <laughs> <Right>. You know, <laughs> um, so just enough to be like, hey, we're sane about this. That's right. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. um and, and I remember having friends who, who played the version of D&D that I played now thinking it was just a little odd, like not really quite understanding it, but not, not thinking it was evil or satanic or anything like that. Um, so in hearing this stuff, nothing in this really surprised me because there were other things that – I remember friends or friends parents talking about you know whether it was um, you know d and d i think was you know one little subset of of the culture um, that was going on in the church at that time i mean you could have inserted almost anything into into that at that time i mean. Uh, you could have inserted, you know, music, rock music in there. You could
1: have inserted backward maxing, masking yeah. of a rock music. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, I mean, you could have inserted. Um, I remember even that early on some of Disney's fairy tale stuff. Um, and people being like, oh, you got to be careful because there are these, you know, things and, um, you know, you had um, cartoons even outside of the Smurfs, you know, the Smurfs was one of the big ones. But even outside of that, there were other cartoons that people were like, oh, you got to be aware of those and the things that are going on there. And I think what we see is a transition where… You know, moving into the '90s, you get outside of D and D as as the hobby horse, the game, whatever it is, and you move into things uh, that we're going to talk about, a little, like Pokemon. Um, you know, and you move into the Christian community starting to fight things like Disney where you know Disney wants to promote a day where homosexuals can come and feel free to enjoy the park and so homosexual uh, not homosexuals <laughs> but the Christian community um gets on the bandwagon and they're like okay we're going to start boycotting this because of this and
1: how dare they want to go have fun at Disney yeah, world
0: yeah you know and and like and so like these are I think these are the things that we see happening throughout um e- even throughout history I mean going back you know, um, you, you see those really, you know, tight fundamentalists um, where, you know, playing cards is now evil and a sin, you know. So anybody who wants to, you know, be involved in our church, you can't play cards. And then eventually the church is like, okay, we're being ridiculous. But anybody who wants to be a deacon or an elder, you guys can't play cards. But the rest of the congregation, yeah, yeah. it's okay, you know. And and you have movies. And so I think there's just this tendency. in in, in the 80s, this was just kind of the clear – hobby horse that they got on taking taking a statement that, like you said, this detective made about D&D uninformed and running with it. And then once he finally comes out with his book and he clarifies the misgivings and misunderstandings of everything, nobody wants to go back and read the truth. They just want to continue with the misinformation. Right.
1: But, but I mean at the same time, I got to admit, I, I'm hearing this stuff as a kid, yeah. as a teen even – and I'm always been. I've been a comic book guy. I'm not anymore. But but you know, up into my 20s, I was I was pretty hardcore comic book guy. Sure, sure. And when you would look, they they would usually spring for the glossy, um, you know, back cover full page ad. Yeah. Sometimes the the multi page in the, inside the comic book. And honestly, what the the graphics and a lot of the stuff, it's sort of it reinforced for me the mm-hmm. idea that the, these are quite satanic these things mm-hmm. um, because once you get that as the presupposition right you know you're, you're you're ready to see that it's very evil sure and and so you know you see these glowing eyes and yeah. and 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 i mean quite frankly some of the, the they're trying to sell these to Um, I don't know what marks, you know, your average like comic book nerd, but they're like, let's see two parts kind of lonely, three parts, like really, really horny to the point of being angry. And uh, so we'll have like the lip locking tight outfit on this woman. And then this is like dark and foreboding and sort of, it's sort of a cult looking. And, and so, I mean, it's one thing to the ridiculous level of, you can't watch the Smurfs or He-Man. You can't go to the movie house or play cards. I feel like in a sense, the the D people, and maybe it was a brilliant move. They kind of played that up to keep yeah. the controversy going. Right, right. And I and
0: I think you're right. I do. I, I think that there is something to that where, you know, they made a decision that Hey, if this is going to sell, because at that point in time, when all this came out, they didn't experience a drop in sales. They experienced, I, what did the guy say? Like a 200% boost in sales when all that <laughs> stuff went around. Like it's not like, it's not like, oh, you know, the evangelical, evangelical communities out there, you know, saying, no, this is bad. Or, you know, the fundamentalist communities out there saying, no, this is bad. It's like they're out there saying, no, this is bad, but they're giving so much press and attention to it.
1: Free of charge. Exactly. (laughs) And so
0: like sales are just boosting and racing up for these guys. Um, And they're like, hey, you know, instead of changing our MO, this is what's selling. So why don't we keep going with it? Because they're giving us free press without having to go out and do our own.
1: And at the same time, I mean, if I were to show you some stills or very short clips out of context of smog – Smaug, Smog, however yeah. you say it, yeah. how, wherever you land, yeah. um, or some of the orichai from, you know, the, the uh, Lord of the Rings sure. trilogy, sure, it, and say, look at how satanic this is. Out of context, it would be very easy for me to, me to make it appear that way,
0: right? Right
1: and I mean, frankly, you could show uh, images from you know the Bible miniseries or something, right? <laughs> um, and be like, look, look how demonic this is. There's all these demons and all this stuff. Well, okay, but but all of it, all of these things, and tell me if I'm wrong. My assumption is they exist within a grid where there's good and there's evil. Oh yeah, and uh, so, you know some people are always going to have fun. You know, kind of playing the. Uh, What's the term from the the world of wrestling, the the heel or whatever, oh, yeah. whatever.
0: yeah, you know the the I mean, villain and yeah,
1: yeah, and it's I think it's it's pretty well harmless fun, yeah, um, but but the idea is never this is celebrating evil, right? It's, it's entering into this fantastical world, right? And how does a quest, an epic quest, play yeah. out in that one? You got to have good and evil for it to be exciting and interesting. Exactly. If everybody is like a Sunday school teacher, uh, that's not a very fun quest,
0: right? Right. And and it's interesting because I was I was actually having um a discussion of a friend of mine. He he's also a believer. Um he's the one who kind of got me back into D&D all these years. He runs a game and we were having a discussion and he says, "You know, it's interesting because a lot of people think it's enjoyable to play a quote-unquote evil character in this game." And he's like, "You know, for a little while it can be fun. The problem is in the game, you can't trust this character. And so usually they're the ones that are going to get, you know, booted out of the group or, uh, I mean, not the player, but the character. Um, you know, they're going to, you know, leave him or, or whatever because um, he was telling me about a group of people who all wanted to play these evil characters. They wanted to be able to get, you know, go into this fictional world and do whatever they wanted to do to these fictional NPCs and all that. And and he said up front, he's like, look, I'll run this game for you guys, but I guarantee you it's not going to go well. And and he's like, in true to form, it didn't go well because you have these characters who are basically backstabbing each other because they're evil. And the idea is to get into your character like you are with acting and things like that. And you're in this role. And I mean, if you listen to actors talking and things like that, you know. You get a sense of of what that can be like, where you're you're wanting to personify this role, and so you personify this role, and where everyone is evil in this role, you know, you're backstabbing each other, and it's like the whole party just fell apart because there was no good to you know, no moral compass to come in and be like, no, 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 this is what we need to do, this is where we need to go, this is our quest, this is what we're doing. It's like it's it's complete anarchy within the game and you still have to abide by the rules because it's a game. And so, you know, there are all these limitations and bindings as to what you can do with an evil character because you're meant to battle the evil characters or you're meant to use these evil characters that come along, but but you're meant to use them for a purpose and then you need to
1: destroy them because they are evil. Um, and so now, yeah, when you I talk d- about, I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah, when you yeah. talk about an actor, yeah. uh, getting into a role, yeah, my mind goes to like, uh, uh, Heath Ledger. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you know, there's, there've been a number of actually good actors too, who have done the, oh, ooh, ooh, flame me, um, who, who've done this kind of thing, um, where they've, they've gotten so immersed in a role. The guy who played uh, Pennywise on the yeah. new version of it, yep. which was so scary and freaking awesome. Um, he 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 has nightmares mm. every night, in which yeah. he kind of encounters Pennywise. I hear that, and I think, gosh, that sounds like at best he has shackled himself psychologically, right. and at worst there's there is something. I mean, I we do believe as Christians in a, a demonic world, in, in right. a spiritual world, in which there are there are principalities and powers, and and I mean, I'm probably put myself in the same. Category in many people's minds as mm. the D and D alarmists. When I say I wouldn't jank around with a, an, a Ouija board, mm. um, even though ninety nine percent of the time it's just your friends trying to spell out, you know, boobs or whatever. Right. Uh, it's it, there. There is something to opening yourself up sure. to to something like that. But you'd have to be a. You'd have to have missed the point of the game and what makes it fun right. to do that. Right. And B. You'd already have to be kind of off and right. you know have that you know, bend of, and yeah yeah it, no it, a normal person's not going to get sucked into this and, and let it take over their life right and and so uh,
0: this is actually something that I was thinking about Zach as as I was contemplating this when you write a book and you're you're writing for all of your characters not just the good ones but the bad ones to an extent you have to put yourself in the shoes of that bad character and think about what is it that this person is truly feeling what is their motivation that they're going through and doing this because otherwise your your character is not really going to have a lot of depth to them they might be the typical the stereotypical bad guy that has you know these two dimensions but like your books your characters yeah. have a lot more to them and so uh, for you as an author you have to you know place yourself in that role to a certain extent and say, okay, what is his motivation? Why is he doing this? Um, so that way, there is something that the audience can relate to with the villain. And, you know, there, there's something about a good villain, not good as in they're a good guy, but good as in they're, they're well thought out, they're well written, well acted, well directed, that you can relate to and say, that's where I see human nature coming through. That's where I see the depravity of man coming through, mm-hmm. and you have sympathy as a believer for that person because you know that, but by the grace of God, that could be me.
1: Yeah, and, and honestly, it's you know fun to write. Yeah. Um, the The evil character, you know, in my my one successful book that mm-hmm. I had, uh, the <laughs> the uh, the antagonist is is demon possessed. Yeah. Um and it's it's really quite dark and I got a couple of you know low star reviews saying this this is you know it, it really made me uh, think about things I didn't want to think about and, and it was too real and it's like no the the scriptures themselves are full of very real encounters right with with, with darkness and honestly I don't I don't see a I mean there's a there's a difference of course in, between a role playing game and writing a novel but mm-hmm. I don't see a qualitative difference. Right. You know if if we're if this is an exercise in, in which there is good and evil mm-hmm. and I'm not letting the evil control my real life right then you know I mean I, I know some really good people I I know a sweet lady named Tracy Groat she's one of the the best um authors out there in the christian world in fact i i think that her her writing stands out because it's not formulaic at all Mm -hmm. and if you met her you'd never say oh yeah you probably wrote a a novel called madman uh about the Gathering's demoniac in which if you read this thing at night you're not sleeping that night i mean it's (laughs) it's freaky and and then when you i mean it it hasn't it hasn't seeped in at all you know i mean she's she's kept it uh what it's supposed to be you know right. and, and it serves a purpose that it's supposed to serve right but when you come at it um with the assumption that people are so weak mm. that they almost have to be protected you, you're you're going down a road very much like um let's you, you know you can't watch gummy bears because right. you remember gummy bears oh yeah sing it with me now i'm just kidding gummy that song, bears w- yeah, bouncing here and there and everything. It's going to be in your head tonight, buddy, by the way. <laughs> but like I remember uh, I was babysat by a, a, a woman at my church, and her daughter and I were watching that one day, and her mom came in, and she was like, no, mm. not stuff with magic mm. and sorcery, no way. And I think that was a very common backlash that, that I feel like it's kind of gone away in most circles. Yeah. I, I know some fundamentalist people – Um, at my son's Christian school Mm -hmm. and they love like fantasy stuff Yeah, as a family that it, it draws them together. They're not, they're not sweating that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time you bring up D and D and you will still find, you know, in any semi-sizable group of Christians, you'll find someone they just assume right because they heard it. And because it's kind of, it's common knowledge, quote unquote, right. This, this is dangerous. Don't, don't toy with it.
0: Right, right, and and it's a it's a full you know it's interesting because it's like you said it's just it's a full lack of understanding of uh, what this game actually is you know most people who um, are are against D and D have never sat down and played a game of D and D right because
1: that would mean they're going right, to hell right.
0: <laughs> and and it's – well, and it's interesting because they, it's not even that they haven't sat down and played it. They've never sat down and observed it. They've never watched people interacted with it at all, um, you know. And, um, and and I can – and again, I can understand and I can appreciate, you know, um, not wanting to bind somebody's conscience. You know, somebody just kind of looks at this and they're like, you know, I just – I can't get into this. I can't get behind it. Um, the issue that I have is when somebody chooses to make – their, um, their conscience, um, and impose that on someone else who, who views it and says, you know what, my conscience is clear with this. Like I see this as a game. I have no problem with this. Um, and, and I've, I've enjoyed like talking with people over the past several years about my interaction with it, because the thing, the, the interesting thing about D and D is that um or Pathfinder um Pathfinder's kind of the, the new one that's kind of up and coming in the same vein and was spawned off of D&D um is that uh the the game itself is is up to your imagination. You can you can do whatever you want with this and and it, what's interesting is I guarantee the people who are um who are haters of things like the D&D stuff and the fantasy that goes on in D D. If I were to present them with a Star Wars version of this, which there are, there are Star <laughs> Wars versions of this, they would be all behind it and they would be playing it no problem. Um, or
1: you know, how about a Christian version of it? Exactly. Which, yes. I mean, the thing I've played most. I played a little Magic the Gathering in uh, college. That was kind of really popular then. Yeah. Yep. And and then there were the guys who were like, oh, I never do that, but I'll play Redemption. And frankly that one was a really well-made game. The art on the cards was mm-hmm. it was top-notch. Mm-hmm. But even though they, there was a tenuous biblical link between each character and each, you know, power card and all these things yeah. to the scriptures, it wasn't any more like legit biblical right than I mean there if you Remove someone's – I think it gets down – it's obviously this whole thing. How many sentences can I start and not finish? Uh, obvi- <laughs> obviously it's – Go for one more. Go for one more. It's one of these disputable matters, right, that yeah. the scriptures talk about. Sure. And so if someone has, as Paul says, a former association, yeah. it's basically like meat sacrificed to idols. There's no way – if for them it would be sin, then if they do it, it will be sin. Right. And so we don't want to encourage it in somebody. Who who is leery about it? It's not going to make their life better, and it could, you know, it it really could drag them down sure. um, into guilt and shame. But at the same time, um, the idea that then I have to tailor my life around their point of view. Right. I'm not going to cause them to stumble by what I do in in you know somebody's basement on a, on a Tuesday night to just unwind. Right. Did, did you, have you seen the new season of uh, Voltron yet? No, not yet. I'm, Oh, I, dude, there's a whole app uh, early on. Uh-huh. Uh, huh. it was called mazes and mana and it's them playing this like high tech version of D and D nice doesn't move the plot forward of the season at all. It's just like them all taking a break from all these tons of things they're doing to save the universe to unwind and it helps everybody in a different way oh, that's cool, and it was so cool and and, and uh there was like twenty Tolkien references in it, which nice. which I thought was very fitting. <laughs> now I know you know the original game was was based on yeah. what if what if middle earth was was a, not just a story we could read, but we could add to it you right. know and, and it was this fluid thing right and it it really can anything that can give you just some downtime mm-hmm you know it it could almost be a good sabbath activity mm. which would sound like blasphemy to some people oh yeah
0: oh absolutely well and, it, and it's interesting what you said you know with the with the people um in in Voltron playing that they were all you know they were getting different things out of it because it's true because a game like this i, I don't i don't know if you um ever watch you know certain actors or actresses and on screen they're just they're so great and fluid and you know they they're able to jump from role to role and then you see them live and you see them on camera in an interview and you're like I can't believe this person is as good of an actor or actress as they are because in this interview they're just absolutely horrible and you learn something about actors and actresses and that is when they're when they're taking on a role they can really Embody that role, and they can really bring it out, and, and it can bring something of them out in it. Um, so a shy person can become this really, you know, outgoing, you know, person, and you can get to know a lot about them. And I think D and D, Pathfinder, whatever whatever version of role playing games you play socially with people, does many different things and it interacts with people's personalities on different levels and it brings them all in together um, for this experience because the point of D and D and I think they even mentioned this on the podcast is that you're trying to tell a story together. You have the the game master, the GM uh, long ago, he was called the DM, the dungeon master um, who is basically the narrator He's the one who is going through – he has all the inside information on everything that's going on, and he's, he's leading you through a story, and you are interacting with this story. Um, and, and you're going to get to the end of this adventure, and you're going to have experiences – That are, that you're going to remember. There's going to be jokes that are made that you're going to go back and reference in social settings with these people. And, um, it, it's really, it's, it's a fun way to interact with a game setting and level and, and get people to do different things that you might not normally get them to do. The shy, quiet person is going to come out of themselves and, you know, really step up and, and possibly become the heroic leader of the group, you know, and you're going to see that transformation. the person come around as well, which is which is really fascinating and interesting.
1: Yeah, l- l- let me. Uh, I want to. I want to get a little um, perspective on this. This Jack Chick tract, man. Uh huh. Um, I, I, I agree with everything you said, but but uh, when you say uh, the, the one person who is shy becomes outgoing and people embody someone else, mm-hmm. um, that's the gateway drug. Mm. According to to these conspiracy theories, right? Sure. Yeah. So, so uh, there's a a you know you know Jack Chick tracks. They're, oh, they're yeah. saddle stitched. Oh yeah, and they're one or two panels per page. Yep. and they're stinking brilliant in their own way.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, they. I don't they know even... if I
1: mentioned what, were we were we just chatting or had we started recording when I mentioned that I, I obsessively collected.
0: Oh no, we were we were recording. Okay, <laughs> that is so, on the internet for all time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a uh, panel where. Uh, the lady who's who's the dungeon master yep. um, says, Debbie, your cleric has been raised to the eighth level. I think it's time that you learn how to really cast spells. Really is bold, underlined, and italicized because <laughs> that's how you do things. Um, and the girl who has two pigtails because she's so innocent says, you mean you're going to teach me how to have the real power? And the dungeon master says, yes, you have the personality for it now. The next panel is <laughs> <it's> a picture <laughs> – of a pentagram yeah. so lar- on the floor, so large that that many becloaked people can stand at you know the different points of it. Right. And it says, the intense occult training through D&D prepared Debbie to accept the invitation to enter a witch's coven. And then this guy's <laughs> saying, I've brought Elfstar to become a priestess and witch. Welcome, <laughs> Elfstar. Now you will become a priestess of the craft and the temple of Diana. And 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 a skip ahead about ten pages, and uh, this this poor girl comes back to uh, visit her friend, whose whose bed is absolutely littered with like little figurines of dragons and wizards and stuff. Right, and she says, "No, no, Marcy, you didn't have to do that." Spoiler alert: Marcy is hanging from like the ceiling fan by a noose, and she's left a note that says, "It's my fault. Blackleaf died. I can't face life alone. Love, Marcy." Um, she she goes back to the the, the dungeon master And this is a, always the trope right? Mm-hmm. Whether you've been talked into extramarital sex Or listening to rock and roll or whatever right. You go back to the person who drew you in And they have no uh, sympathy at all right. Ms. Frost I can't get Marcy out of my mind How could she do something like this If I'd left the game she'd be alive today and the answer is get your priorities straight, Debbie. Your spiritual growth through the game is more important than some lousy loser's life. <laughs> now, how does that compare to your experience uh, in in uh, in playing? Well, <laughs> well, let's see.
0: Um, I, I don't think any of the GMS have ever told me I need to take the things that I'm doing and apply them to real life. I don't think I've ever brought anything from the game into
1: real life. <laughs> like, but, but have you been ushered up to a pentagram <laughs> and taught, taught how to cast real spells?
0: No, no, never. <laughs> Although I'm intrigued now to to find out where those do exist. Um, but yeah, no, and, and I think that's the problem is you you talked about earlier not giving enough credence to – the ability of someone to be like, this is a game and I'm playing a game. Um, I, I can tell you that the, the group of guys that I play with in, in one of these sessions that I play, we, we play a very long session. I don't, I don't know many people that play as long as we do in, in this one session. So about once a month, we try to get together and we play for about 12 hours. Um, oh my God, yeah. dude. It's, it's literally, I mean, it's just, it's intense, you know? Um, it's an intense session. Um, and when I say intense, like, I don't mean like, you know, but it's 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 a marathon session, you know, it's like if you were, you know, I use that word like if you were going to sit down and watch all the Marvel movies back to back, you know, it's intense like it's a marathon, um, but we do it. It's it's a once a month thing and some months we can't get together and do it. So like um, the month of June, nobody was available to get together um, just with schedules and all that stuff. July's coming around. We don't even know if we can get together in July. So it's going to, have
1: to be 24 hours next time. Yeah.
0: No, no, now you
1: know, I'm, you can't actually like get your virginity back. Right, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking down on you. I'm having fun.
0: Dude. That's awesome. Oh man. That's hysterical. Um, yeah. I, you know, it, again, for me, you know, I, I guess the easiest thing is, you know, to say what I get out of it I, to me. I enjoy strategy games and there's a lot of strategy involved in this. You know, there's, we're sitting up against a castle. We have some Intel on what's going on. And the strategy is how are we going to get into the castle, save, you know, the princess or whatever and get out, um, and do that. You know, maybe the objective is to do that undetected, so, how are we going to do that, And we sit there and we plan all right how how are we going to do this? How are we going to account for this if we get spotted here or there? you know, and um I enjoy that aspect of the game. I enjoy the aspect of uh the socialization with people, you know um, the
1: spoiler man, the princess is in another castle yeah uh,
0: dude, don't even joke about that there's do you realize how many times that's happened? <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like you think this is your objective, and it's like, ha <laughs> psych. Oh, you so this dirty is something dog. that the,
1: whoever is uh, the the master of the game has predetermined. Pardon
0: uh, my ignorance. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, they have. So there are different ways that this can go about. Like, so so this has evolved over the years, as you said earlier. When this game first came out, all it was was a set of rules. So the GM, the Game Master, was the one who was creating the world and the scenario through which you were going to travel. And uh, some of that stuff they were probably writing down so they wouldn't forget, very much like a story. And some of it they were probably just coming up with off the top of their head as you went through and you encountered this, something they haven't thought of before. All right, this is what is going on. This is the scenario. As it's kind of progressed, there are actually books that you can buy that have pre-generated stories, and it's up to the GM to to determine how much of that story you're going to use, how much of it you're going to leave out, what you're going to do, um, and kind of walk your players through this story. Um, and, and, you know, based on decisions that they make, you have kind of some things that you can do and you can choose to abide by what's written down. Or as the GM, you can kind of make up your own thing. You can do whatever you want. The players only know what you're letting them know. So for me, um, you know, all my GM has given me is the princesses in this castle and I'm going in here. Um, but I don't know that there are four other castles that she could possibly be in the GM knows that um, but I don't and so I'm making decisions that are leading me wherever I need to go and he's kind of going through and um, making things up as he goes along as well to a certain extent or he's got pre-written and pre-generated things that he's already written down to do so it's it's really it's it's this great interactive story that you're you know, you're engaging with and you're engaging with other people while you're doing it, you know, so you're creating these jokes and these memories and not all the jokes are based with inside the story. You know, you have these things called player breaks, which is basically hitting the pause button on the controller and you're, you're trying to make a decision on what you're going to do. So you're stopping the action right there to talk about what you're going to do. And then you're moving forward with your plan. And I mean a lot of the jokes and stuff come from those sessions too where you know you're not necessarily talking about anything that has to do with the game because you got sidetracked you know um and it really it's it's like any other board game out there that you would play and even more so now that you know you use die and kind of the die direct the way the story's going to go and things like that um so my character in this is is
1: uh, this sounds uh-huh I was just saying that sounds incredibly fun to me, except that I would never have, like, the the patience to do it. It, it sounds in the same way that new video games. Yep. Like, I, w- I was always, uh, whenever I bring my kid to, to buy his Pokemon cards, yep. uh, sometimes we go to a card shop, and when we go there, I'm amazed at how there's always new role-playing games and always stuff, you know, yeah. adding to. And uh, But sometimes we go to GameStop, yep. and when I'm there... I, I see these games that are they're similar to what you're describing, but you know you're, you, it's not in your imagination and you're not coming up with it you're, you're following a story that, that the, the the authors and the programmers put together right and I'm always kind of jealous of people who like Far Cry Five I want to yeah. play that <laughs> it, It's the one with the cult and and everything. It looks so fun, yep. and I just know I would lack the persistence to To get through it, sure. Um, but I'm kind of jealous of people, and, and and that you know, video games today seem to have all, all of the social aspect of it is you know with with strangers over a headset. It seems right. like to me. Whereas right. when we were kids, you were sitting next to him on the couch. Right, Whereas or you were in the arcade. Right, yeah. Whereas what you're describing is you're uh, you're actually with a group of people. Yep. This is not isolating. It's the opposite. Right. And I don't know, it sounds like kind of a bit of an antidote to this, this sort of um, terminal tech loneliness that we're all feeling in a, in a world now where we don't have enough real interaction. Everything's phony and fake. Right. Even though this is, this is fantasy and it's not real, you, you have the, the tactile um, you know memory of it. You have You have a group of people who are together who now you've done whatever, three or four Five ten campaigns of this with them yeah and and you're building a real friendship through a you know it's it's it, it sounds to me like a, an incredibly wholesome thing to yeah. have been so randomly uh, maligned and and uh, and called out by I mean very famous ministers who I respect I remember mm. hearing the the radio interviews and the warnings and the the prayers right you know that, right. that people would break the chains of this stuff
0: yeah. And, and I think that's, I think that's the, the, you know, the, the setting in which we were talking about a little earlier where all of a sudden you start bringing in what people would consider elements of uh, demons or, you know, Satan's or, you know, things like that devils. And it's like, Oh no, 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 this is, this is now an evil thing. And it's like, yeah, there is, there's an evil component to it, but for all of these you know and it's funny because i was talking with my um with my friend about it the one who's the dm in the, in this one game that we play and he's like sometimes my players don't get it because they'll be in a really tight situation and and all of a sudden like the the tides will turn and he said you know they think it's just me being you know gracious dm dm he's like the reality is it's, it's actually – this is part of what's written in the story is that if they get to this position, a divine being who is more powerful than the evil that's surrounding them helps them out. And so even within the game, there's a recognition that good is always going to conquer evil, that it, evil is not meant to endure and last in the world. Uh, so even in the game you're playing, if you if you fail – in one part of the mission, there is something that is, that is good. And that is greater than the evil that has oppressed you to come in and help liberate you and, and push you forward. Um, and, and it's really like, it's, it's fascinating when you look at some of that stuff, um, where people look at the evil in it and it's like, yeah, but, but how do you, how do you look at the good and take the good without the conflict of the evil that's going on? Um, you know, and that's one of the fascinating things to me about the game. And, and like you said, this, this holistic aspect of this game where, you know, these are people that, um, I haven't literally gone into battle with, but I've gone into battle with, you know, and like, um, I, I've enjoyed their company and we've, we've worked through how we're going to beat this creature that's coming after us. And you take some of those bonds with you, you know, like you, you forge these bonds through this story and you have these memories, you know, and like, I, I don't want to, you know, um, get in and, you know, try to push down, you know, the real life aspect of military and brothers in arms and things like that, because I think the bonds that get forged there are so much stronger and so much more powerful because literally life and death are on um, at stake in those cases. But, like, you do forge these friendships through this storytelling.
1: Um, yeah, it's kind of a team-building exercise, it sounds like. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, and problem-solving and, and, and that sort of thing. I mean, we, for for as long as there have been um, groups of people trying to accomplish things, we've known that there's value in that. Yeah. Uh, th- that, that you, you know, you try and – what I'm going to be doing in two weeks is I'm going to camp – uh, seventh and eighth graders on the camp pastor every day we do these things called initiatives yeah you've got a group um it 's not it 's not cabin groups it 's you 're with group a or whatever and yep. there 's there 's nine people and you 've got to use these four planks and these two you know logs or whatever to get from here to here, but you can 't this is lava and you can 't touch that right and they got to work together um it, it's it 's really a a helpful thing right but if it 's done well it 's also fun right. And and that cements that you know the yep. the fact that it's fun it, it it locks it away in a different part of your brain yeah. where it's it's not quickly going to be forgotten.
0: Yep, exactly. And 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 this allows for a different element and aspect of that you know that team building like you're talking about that team building activity and exercise. Um, you know and and the the guys that I do this with you know we enjoy getting together and um, hanging out and talking you know and and you know again, I, I said we play a twelve hour session you know but we we take breaks for um, you know for dinner and things like that you know so we're we sit down for an hour and we eat a meal together and we 're talking about each other 's lives and what 's going on outside of the game so it 's not like it's not like we're just so immersed in the game that we can't separate ourselves to interact with each other on a real level. Um, and so getting to know, you know, each of these guys and actually one of um, the guys in the group is um, a good, he's a good friend of mine and he's an atheist. And so we get to have uh, real conversations about faith. And, and about- it's Evan David's.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I assume Nathan, that when you, when you have these, the, you know, the meals, the breaks and stuff, mm-hmm. That you're you're wearing a cloak and that you're all, <laughs> you've got your like your tacos and you're sitting at one of the points of the pentagram. Am I right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, dude. It, it's funny because like um, I remember in colleges seeing some of the groups that would actually dress up for their role playing sessions. Larping. Yes. And uh, and and you know, and they would just come down and you know sit in their circle around the table and play D anD D in their in their outfits. I can tell you, I have never once shown up to one of these things outside of like my Superman baseball cap and my you know Red Sox sweatshirt. Like,
1: <laughs> I mean, you do have swords on you, but that's normal. Well, right. You, right, that's
0: yeah, that's that's typical. <laughs> Me walking around with knives. I mean, I do that everywhere. <laughs> but um yeah and it, it really it, it is you know and it's funny because you know people will talk about um oh well what about children and things like that you know and it's like but come on i mean kids like to me this is cool because kids naturally like to pretend and make believe I mean, you know, you give a kid a stick and he's going around and shooting, you know, you know, 50 zombies in the woods, you know. I mean, their imaginations are natural. And so, like, some of the best games that I've had have been playing with kids where it's like they can almost see this world better than I can, you know. And, again, it's the same thing. They know that this is the world. This is the make-believe game. But then when they're done, it's like – you don't see them pulling this into the real world, you know? I mean, no more than, you know, kids, kids can naturally do on their own anyway, you know? Um, so I, to me, it's just, it's an awesome, uh, opportunity to get together with people to fellowship. I have a group of guys that I'm actually leading a game session with. Um, and we're all believers and it's, it's fun to interact with them because, um, you're interacting on a different level and I'm not saying the game is like, you know, Christian sanitizer or anything like that, but there's, there's a level of like, you know, Hey, we're all brothers in Christ doing this. And this is kind of cool. Um,
1: now and- aren't there in, in standard D and D play, aren't there like, um, I know there's wizards and stuff, but yep. aren't there also, like, abbots and and clerics and bishops and yeah. things, or is that not yeah. the case?
0: Yeah, no, you have um, – so you have your wizards. So, I mean, basically, if you were to run down, like, your standard characters that you could play – and there are hybrids and crossbirds and all that, but, like, you have – um like your wizard, like you talked about, you have paladins, which are, you know, the, the, the righteous warriors, you know, they're the ones who are, you know, God has called them to fight the demons and the devils in the world, to rid the world of true evil, not, not the crusades, not the perceived evil, you know, but the true evil that's in the world. You have your clerics that are the holy men of God, you know, who, um, Who are doing the same thing. And again, like you have these characters that are good and evil, you know, and, and many times it's the NPCs, the non-player characters that are your counterparts that you're trying to battle and vanquish. Um, You have your, uh, your fighters, the ones who are just your brute force tanks. You have your rogues that are the stealthy kind of cunning, um, get in, get out, you know, do your recon type stuff. Um, you have your rangers, the ones who can scout through the woods and hunt ahead and, you know, um, figure out where a trail is going. And, um, so you're working together because not one person can do the job of everyone. You know, so in the group that we have, there's actually three of us, and and the three of us run two characters. So the character I run is a sorcerer and a rogue, Um, and then one of we have a dwarf, which is a fighter, and he the other guy runs um, a ranger, and then we have a cleric and a wizard. You know, and the cleric like you you personify the cleric. So like if the party is gonna make a decision that's gonna do something that is morally compromising, the cleric's the one that steps up and says, No, 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 no we can't do that. You know, we gotta make sure that this, this, and this, you know, and so they're the one that are ju- ones that are just unwavering in their faith in 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 good, in doing good. Um as the rogue, I get a little bit more flexibility in my moral compass. Um You know, which is which is fun because I'm not an evil rogue, so I can't do anything that's evil, but you know, hey, if somebody's got a little bit more money, then you know, I can kinda pocket that and nobody's any the wiser, you know, and these are things that are kind of fun to play through, understanding in real life that would be wrong and I would never do that because I'm a reasonable person and I know that. Okay, I Dude. know that. I'm not a reasonable person, but I know that.
1: <laughs> Nathan, uh, I, I, I have to tell you something. Yeah. Do you have Amazon Prime? I do. You can watch Mazes and Monsters, a oh. Fantasy Game Turns Deadly, for free with Amazon Prime. Dude, you found it. I, I was looking for, I don't remember what it was, like, like something else. It wasn't Mazes and Monsters. That, this is this is it. This is the thing yeah and and, and like they 've made a new cover for it, you know how they do, yeah. when, when someone gets famous and they 'll put the person like it 's like a smiling Tom Hanks, and it looks like you know the prequel to the the burbs or something and <laughs> and here it is it 's got so many one star reviews, oh my gosh i I am watching this tonight, oh my goodness Dude. oh my and, and here's, here's the uh, this is the the copy, of the slug line. Robbie and his four college classmates decide to move the board game. Into the local legendary cave. Dun dun dun! <laughs> oh my <laughs> cats, that sounds so terrible. Okay, uh, but but it really did. I mean, this helped feed that group bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Bad, which every group uh, you know had to have two Ds at the end um, in, in the in the eighties. You know, yep. it was mad or glad or <laughs> sad or whatever. Right, and then and and, and this helped feed that that panic. And it's not even a Christian thing. This was just like um, psychological bandwagon and, and panic and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm wondering. I mean, we, we're 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 running out of time here, but but to kind of bring it back to the beginning and, and zoom out. Mm-hmm. How do you? How do we as Christians avoid falling? in? Because it's going to happen again. How do we avoid falling into these? Um, these these uninformed. Kind of group pylon panics, which I mean, they're often fueled now by social media, right, right. And how do we keep from from looking foolish? You know, I mean, there are there are a ton of conspiracy theories now, right, and Christians often buy into them. Yeah, but, but these that that tend to equate the the content. Mm. To the conspiracy theory with the scriptures, I think are the most dangerous and make us. You know, they, they really kind of they steal our credibility. Yeah. To, to to ring the the alarm bells about real things that need to be um, addressed. Yeah. I to me,
0: I think the first thing that as Christians we need to do is is as soon as something comes out. I think instead of trying to speak into it, we need to refrain and we need to inform ourselves about it. I, I don't care whether you know you're um, hyper conservative or hyper liberal in you know your thoughts and views on any subject. I think the first thing to do is is to refrain from saying anything about it other than you know what I haven't done enough research and so I, I think I need to look into that more before I form an opinion on it. And I think that's what happens a lot is that, you know, you said you heard so many preachers speaking on this, preachers that you respected so well. And there's a danger, especially with our propensity as people to cling to, you know, superstar pastors or to cling to our favorite teachers, even if they're not superstars, and say, you know what? I'm going to read up on this for myself and I'm going to get informed about this for myself. And I'm not just going to read everyone that I agree with. I'm going to read about people that I don't necessarily agree with too, because hopefully within there, I'm going to be able to come to an informed decision. Um, I think realizing that if um, scripture does not explicitly um, condemn something uh, that you should let your conscience decide whether it's right or wrong. And if your conscience decides it's wrong, don't automatically assume it's wrong for everyone else. Um, you know, I mean, I think in the Christian community, we're still trying to recover from, you know, the whole um, alcohol is evil thing you know, where, where scripture clearly doesn't say that, you know, we're told that God has given wine to man to make his heart glad, you know, that there is an effect that is going to be had. Now we're told not to get drunk, but you know, so many decisions are made out of an ignorance. And I feel like as Christians, we should be the last people that are ignorant about topics and subjects. And I think that what we need to also do is, you know, to have a firm grounding in what Scripture clearly um, condemns, and things that are not clearly condemned but are conscience issues, and say, you know what, I- I'm not okay with this, but I recognize this does not violate God's word. This violates my conscience, and so even though I'm not going to participate in it, I celebrate my brothers and sisters who are free to do that. Um, what? What are or some not of even yours?
1: necessarily celebrate just just respect right right, right I mean yeah. I don't even have to be on board hey right. that's a pun with it because <laughs> it doesn't affect me I yes. just have to not be quick to condemn right uh, and, and and recognize that that somebody maybe after thorough prayer and thought and and research de- determine something different from me yes. and and you know with something like this. Maybe someone knows they have an obsessive-type personality. Right. I mean I know guys who say, um, no, I'm not going to have a cigar with you because I can't have two a week. Sure. I'd, I'd have five a day, and it, would, and it would give me a black lung. I'm like, all right, I don't want to make you do anything. right? Um, it, what, what's interesting to me when you talk about looking into it for yourself, there's this irony that simultaneously the thing that makes the reaction or knee-jerk response and the pylon of it – all the easier, which is the internet also Mm. makes researching and getting the facts all the easier. Right. Uh, I wonder how much of the bump in sales was, uh, you know, Christian parents going out to the local bookstore and buying these dungeon guides just to see what's really in them. Right. Probably not much. I, I, I assume, I mean, I remember watching these videos, uh, in youth group at church camp and stuff where they were like, you see, uh, Def Leppard says, Jesus, go to hell backwards in hysteria. So we don't listen to that. And Judas Priest says to kill yourself. And, you know, granted, some of them, like Slayer and stuff, they were trying to look rather satanic. And we look at it now and see how silly it was. But at the time, yeah, probably give that a wide berth. But but the idea that information is really unleashed now I can go to a, a primary source mm-hmm. and and learn about something if it's important enough to me to want to have an opinion, right? And and even Nathan, you're a, a primary source to me at this time, mm-hmm. you know. So if if it was 1988 mm-hmm. and I'm worried about you know my teenager who's dabbling in this, like, mm-hmm. is it going to suck him in and steal his? I can say, oh, I know a guy who does that. Right. And and I mean, from the very beginning, I don't think this was all just like the freaks and geeks guys. Um, although that was a great scene when they right. when they would do that. It, it was also engineers and architects and and you know restaurant managers. Right. Y- people knew people. Y- you want to you want to find out. Yes. Minus the the dramatics yes what what are we dealing with here whether it's rock and roll music whether it's um you know i mean there were there were so many things that were gonna gonna lead us down the primrose path to hell right when i was there was a there was a demonic conspiracy behind every bush yeah and man i got to imagine i believe in satan and i got to imagine that he thought that was hysterical oh yeah because while we're all worried about this stuff we're going the 80s is in full, you know, speed ahead right. and we're all slaves to pure uh, materialism. Right. Right. Which is, I'm which a material which is where girl. Really comes in. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're worried about, you know, little hidden messages right. in uh, this or that that these things that 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 seem harmless but they're not really. Watch out for them. Right. But at the same time, the the seven deadly sins are right in front of us and right. we're so focused on you know the this little conspiracy this this uh hidden agenda yeah eh, you know open your eyes to to the obvious stuff right. and i i don't know if i feel like we haven't made as much progress as it seems like we have mm-hmm. i feel like we've just gotten more lax all around yeah
0: yeah I, I think i think there's some truth to that i because and I think it depends on the circles you're in because I used to think the same way you did and then I started teaching um at an a o g church um and it's still there's still so much of a of a set of people that are very much all about you know Satan is everywhere and in everything and and one of the things that I tell my students is look i I believe so firmly the devil is real, I believe his demons are real. uh do I think that Satan directly attacks me? No, I think he's got better things to do and bigger fish <laughs> to fry than me. I don't think I'm that important i don't, I don't think know, I'm it's that a pretty much... big
1: podcast yeah.
0: <laughs> all uh, all two people that listen to it um, but uh <laughs> <laughs> no no no, no <laughs> they're
1: self deprecating and then there's just
0: <laughs> uh, but but you know one of the things that I tell them is I say, you know what i I think um the stories that I hear from from missionaries and from believers that that I know personally when they talk about demon possession overseas and things like that like i I can get behind those stories when I start hearing about. Um, your local youth groups casting out demons and basically making a party out of it? I I don't think so. I said, I think the devil um, has got you guys so blinded to the true nature of his personality and, and what he does to suck us as Americans in. And I'm not saying that I don't think demon possession doesn't happen in America, but in a lot of these... Um, Pentecostal churches like they act like every Friday is a a demon casting out party you know and like they have chips and popcorn and you know uh, there's a demon being cast out left and right and it's the best thing in the world and I'm like the stories that I hear about demons being cast out isn't like this like party it's it's terror and like the Christians who are used to this going on are in terror of it. And they're so reliant on the power of God that they would never describe it as a party. Um, And so I just can't imagine that the things that you're doing are legitimately casting out demons. I said, my suspicion and feeling is that Satan is, is more happy that you guys would go home in binge 24-7 on Netflix and ignore your other responsibilities than, um, than it trying to, you know, possess you guys. And, and I just, I think that's the culture we live in because we are so blind to the other things that blind us to who Christ is that we forget that Satan works just as powerfully in those things, that... If he can, you know, get me to forget that, oh, I haven't spent time with God this weekend, but hey, I finished this one, you know, series on Netflix that I was trying to finish. Um, I, I think that, you know, that's more of a congratulatory for him than, you know, him going around and possessing people. Um, but those are, you know, that's kind of my two cents and thoughts on it. Um, what about, what about you? What do you think about that, Zach?
1: Yeah, I I I think that uh it's it's easy to want a visible enemy. Mm-hmm. Um and and to be part of a really what what's funny is this is a really ironic because it's it, it, it's the same sort of desire to mm-hmm. have this kind of romantic maybe even kind of uh sexy adventurous um mm-hmm. we're going to go out and and uh fight against uh the the manifestation of, of Satan's plan, what you know, you fill in the blank, whatever X is this week, right. rather than uh actually mortify the flesh and put sin to death in myself. And and, and like a, a far healthier way to deal with that that desire would probably be to play a, a you know a little round of D right. uh, and D and, and and scratch that itch and then and, and and then get into the Bible um and and recognize that uh, in the world we live in it's it 's not as cut and dried good right. guys and bad guys and and, uh, and, and smoke filled back rooms and um, you know everybody i 'll tell you what when I, I took contemporary occultism in uh, in seminary mm-hmm. and it became really quick as we uh, very quickly evident rather as as we um, talked to people, had guest speakers come in as we researched these things. No one has ever been a low priest of Satan. Mm. Everybody's the high priest. The <laughs> high priestess. It's right. like there's everybody who's in in the quote unquote KKK is the Grand Dragon or whatever. I mean, like these these things that are that are uh, you know self um, aggrandizing. Yeah. They, they're they're all the the I mean the KKK is real. Don't give me, I'm, I'm I'm not saying that. I'm saying that that these. Uh, kind of conspiracy theories that Christians baptize and then um, make real life decisions about—they're—they're they're all pretty quickly uh, reverse engineered. You can see where they came from. You can see why people—you know—a few—a few misguided people wanted to have power, thought that they had power, and if you would just take it with a grain of salt, right? Uh, you could probably avoid embarrassing the church universal, the church militant, right, and wasting a whole bunch of time and effort when we could be talking about the stuff Scripture chooses to talk about, right? Uh, the real battle that's ahead of us, right. and uh, you know, struggle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. Um, that gets brought up an awful lot in the kind of settings you're talking about, right? But the assumption is it's this cabal, right? When really it's uh the, the devil will in and, and the powers of darkness lesser powers of darkness that probably are um more interested in uh, uh, small timers like you and i uh would would much rather latch on to yeah maybe my laziness and and yeah, like you reference and and um just tie me up with stuff that doesn't matter trolling through my twitter feed for an hour instead of reaching out to somebody with with the gospel right uh or or uh you know somebody who's given—they're besetting sin. They're given to um, you know uh, drunkenness or lust or or gluttony or whatever. And you don't need the uh, the master plan that's right. going on behind the the curtain. Right. You don't need the guy pulling all the strings. Uh, you just need us to focus on the wrong thing. Right and yeah. and maybe to 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 close my close my comments with a, a Tolkien reference you you need to uh you know remember when they they have the diversion mm-hmm. which after it's described and it's clear to the entire audience that it's a diversion legolas goes oh, a diversion right <laughs> and, and and they go to the the gates of moria not moria it's the mines of moria the gates right. of uh, uh mordor Mordor, where Mount Doom is. You yep. see, I, I'm not quite the nerd you are, but I'm trying, <laughs> I'm working at it. And, and and Sauron's eye goes over to there, right? right? So they can slip in. That's that's. I think maybe that's the real um, master plan. Yeah. And we're falling for it uh, every time we we buy into these big hysterical things. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, those are oh, those are such great words and. Um, as always, man, totally appreciate your insight into uh, into this stuff and, you know, conversations that we have. So awesome. Awesome. Um, well, dude, we uh, man, I think this has been our longest one yet. So that's kind of cool. Two hours here or no, well, an hour and
1: 20 minutes. Hour and twenty minutes. A <laughs> hundred and twenty um, minutes, an hour and twenty minutes, whatever. <laughs> the long one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so no, this was great. And uh dude, I definitely think we need to do like a bonus sometime and watch uh watch the movie. Um yes. what was it again? Yes. It was uh mazes and Some monsters. Mazes-
1: monsters Dude, i'm saving it i'm not watching it tonight i want to watch it with fresh eyes well well i'm hooked up with you and we're, and we're rolling tape
0: yes oh that would be perfect we could do like <laughs> that could be our first like not just podcast but we could do a vodcast on that one and video link oh. it and set it up to youtube that would be well, great I'll tell you what
1: i am dressing up for that then
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna go like full grammy or emmy and wear a tux
1: No, no, I don't mean dressing up. Oh, you mean like dressing up up. (laughs) like some kind of a necromancer or something?
0: (laughs) Dude, that would be great. I'm I'm just going to wear my bathrobe. Can I? Can I do that and like and like a a a, a, like cardboard hat as like a wizard's hat or something? I'll go like and and some swords.
1: That's right. (laughs) And some nunchucks. You know, whatever makes you comfortable. That's right.
0: I'll just I'll just have it all like sprawled out around me. Uh, dude, well, this is great. And, um, I'm going to look forward to, uh, getting on with you tomorrow with Greg talk about sabbaticals, which we will release, uh, next week. So this one will release on Tuesday of this week. And then the next one we do with Greg will release next week. So dude, awesome. We're going to go ahead and sign off now. Zach, we just rocked the Casbah. These go
1: to 11.